episode 16, season 4 of LOI Weekly. This is being recorded just on the back of the Rock Limp European performance, losing out to Sele 3 0 uh, in Budapest and limping into the Europa League. Um, very, very interesting uh, times at Dundalk. Dan and I, uh, Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald, we're going to chat about that and uh, chat about the repercussions. Um, I suppose not only for Dundalk, but for the League of Ireland that our champions were so uh, comprehensively beaten this evening. So we're recording this on. Uh, what is a Wednesday evening? Our guests today are Alan Bennett and Tim Clancy. We did a big chat with Alan Bennett earlier on today. And I also spoke to Tim Clancy after the Drogheda United, uh, Galway United game on Monday night, which ultimately um, was the ending of Alan Murphy's reign as Galway United manager. Um, thanks to our new sponsors, Lotta Land, where you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSC or Tristy League Premier Division season. And we'll have a special for you as well as the show develops. Check out lalaland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of their specials throughout the show. You can find us at Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're at LOI Weekly on Twitter. As ever, thanks to Airsport and Independent.ie. And uh, we'll go, we'll chat through the fixtures at the weekend as well and all things League of Ireland. Um, yeah, Dan, you, you were just chatting to you on the WhatsApp there. I think you share the sense of deflation after that not entirely unpredictable uh, Dundalk defeat what did you make of it yeah it's pretty deflating to be honest yeah um I it's, it's a weird one like you know I'm, I'm sort of used to more so being at these games and like watching it sort of on tv you're always a small bit more removed to some degree from from it you know in terms of getting a sense of what's been said afterwards you know and, and so on but like <sighs> You know, it's it's it, it's it's not good, really, is it? Um, and I, I've always made this point over the years. You know, you can't just fly off the handle in response to one result and then lead it to draw. You know, massive generalizations. But a that will happen. Like this is the thing about our Champions League representatives every year, our clubs in Europe every year. And it's probably not good for my blood pressure sometimes to be at home just kind of scrolling through social media because then you get like, you know. Uh, like, to me, like that result is more about Dundalk tonight than our league, really. You know, I think it was more about their issues at the moment as opposed to anything general. But obviously, it gets led on. You know, it, one leads to the other. You know, and I like there's always there's always this debate about our our clubs in Europe, and I completely understand the mentality of like a, a hardcore fan of you know, say Rovers or, or Cork in recent years, they don't want their rivals to get stronger, you know, by winning European games. I know managers, you know, within the league who, who don't get involved with the whole green jersey stuff in, in Europe, you know, they just, they, anything that makes their rivals stronger is bad. Mm-hmm. But I guess my perspective probably, you know, from from working in journalism now, God, almost 15, 16 years, and it's always a constant battle about, you know, media coverage and and you know perception of the league and whatnot and I know how important in my world it is for the results in Europe for our clubs to be good I know a lot of people will just look at that result tonight and you know draw some sort of negative conclusion from it uh, and, and 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 apply a very general brush to it uh, and that will happen you know and it's not as if that's just sort of people sort of you know online ranting either like you know sort of predictable vessels like it's, it's actually just outside uh our world you know it, it, will, it will happen you know so that's why I've always you know since I've very much got into uh sort of working full-time in journalism I, I genuinely do want all of our clubs to do well every single year in Europe because it does matter 
that sometimes will get thrown in your face at times uh, if they're doing badly. And we've read pieces in recent memory where these results, these results go in the book very permanently. You know, the record sits, the ranking sits, and whatever the excuses of the dog playing badly and what's going on with there at the moment, um, you know, and there's very valid reasons for that. Um, you know, and stuff we will talk about now. Um, just I think it is actually bad for our league, and um, that's that's why it's a bit deflating. But you know, honestly, there results that like sometimes in Europe, and I'm sure last year we spoke after the Bratislava games and wherever, you know, uh, the the Carabag game that we were both at, at. Like you know, it's very hard to be uh, harsh, really, when you go out to a team that's way better resourced than you and, and way more experienced than you, or whatever it might be that spent X, Y, and Z. But uh, while Selji were a tough, unseeded team to get, um, people have watched the game. You know, people have watched that game on, on, on national TV now and they'll know they're not that good. And the Dock have spent a lot of money on their project. Um, they would have talked last year about needing to improve from this year, uh, from last year to this year in terms of Europe. And I don't think you could watch that and see evidence of it, could you? No, uh, you know, I was sort of thinking if Shamrock Rovers had played that outfit tonight, uh, I think they'd have dominated the game, to be honest, and won. Um, I thought Sel- They would have moved around them and, and used the spaces yeah. that Selgy that Sel- were leaving spaces there that, that, that were to be exploited. But like the dog were just a bit like a lot of their games recently, uh, that slow, that laboured in their attack and play. Mm. Um, but it was also defensively, Dan. Like, I, I, I thought from an early stage that... There's an accident waiting to happen uh, here defensively. They're just mi- and it's been that body language that like uh, has been evident in their game so far. There's a big implosion there at the moment. I, I really think there is. If you look at their performances against Bowes, I've never seen them so bad defensively in such a long time. And the first goal was an absolute shambles to give away on so many levels. The second goal was was always gonna you know potentially happen when they're a little bit stretched. Yeah, I wouldn't break. be reading too much um, into the last or the third goal or whatever. But it's just a general play and the chances they coughed up up despite being by far the better team in sort of general play and um, there's a major malaise there at the moment and it's kind of like when when Derry went into Europe under Kenny Shields they were a rabble and they were kind of there for the taking we we half expected this tonight because the performances of the Dock going in here as much as there are champions I didn't have any confidence that they could perform tonight and get through um, I'm not surprised at what happened and I'm genuinely wondering now what happens at Dundalk because they're effectively out of the league they're out of the Champions League they're still in the Europa League um, but I would worry for that management team at the moment. I think uh, I, I think things could happen. Alan Murphy lost his job. I would worry for Vinnie Perks at the moment because there's something wrong there. Yeah, I think the problem you have like, now, of course, like you know, there are. I do think people are right to talk about margins. I think like Hooven hits the, the post. Hooven hits the post. Like, would you have fancied them to go on an extra time? You probably would have the way the well, game well, was to going. Well, ca- to counter that, Dan, they made a lot of kamikaze changes as well. So I wasn't even if it went extra time. I was worried about how that would work out. But anyway, but no, I'll just address some of the points you made previously. But like, yeah, the, the first goal is a shocker, right? And I mean, they don't need to be told that you know and I think that defensively like one of the problems they have at the moment really is that ironically probably last year we would have lauded the fact when they won the league that somehow they had four centre halves and I think at one point last year they'd all almost played literally the same amount of games you know so Hoare, Cleary and then okay Boyle came in halfway through but like that actually you know they'd you know and Gartland was there um whereas now the chopping and changing defensively just looks like just looks like sort of panic stations a bit, you know. It's sort of it's reacting from game to game, sort of 
fumbling around in the dark looking for uh, a solution, you know, like, I mean, rather than necessarily having that sort of cohesion there that, that makes you have confidence in the unit. And you are right that even when they were pretty much on top after half time, it was a bit like that Bowes game where there was like that Salyu actually, Salyu almost, there were times where it almost looked like scoring every time they broke, you know, that mm. they, they were more efficient in terms of the chance they created. Um, but I think, yeah, I, in the main though, the main thing I took away, I took away from it, yeah, the defensive mistakes are bad, but so they're 1-0 down at half time. They actually came out, I thought, were good after half time for a period of spell. I think Leahy was clearly instructed to get forward and involved and, and it was quite effective, but they just don't have like they're not there. Bratislava, we saw it really well. You can you can extrapolate that from it all you want, mm. but I'm just thinking in terms of football terms that like they haven't scored away from home in the last four European games. Like five, is it? Might be five actually. Yeah. You go back to 2018, um, and even when they have the ball, they just don't have they just don't have that sort of that great spark, that invention. You could see at times Kolovic was coming in from the right side to the left to try and get the ball. But You see, Ruben's really, lack of pace in Europe is a big issue away from home. As they can't... They, yeah, well, the way, the way the game is set up in Europe at times, that definitely... Like and it's no, it's like Huben is 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 coming to get involved in the game. We, I'm mm. pretty sure we said exactly the same things last year. We did coming into the to the opposition half to get on the ball, which is fine. But you you then need like two really quick wingers, right? You know, if you're going to have that type of, you know, he has to drop deep to get involved. But then you need to be able to like really like break quickly, right? But actually, what they have then they have Duffy who was definitely got that pace but it almost so obviously becomes the outlet Kolovic isn't especially quick he's a talented player but he isn't especially quick and they don't really have like, like again so who's going to break from midfield behind Huben you look at the midfield three okay Shields is the more defensive one but then you've got Flores and McElhenney who again neither of them are you know you can imagine say Rovers in that situation that would have whether it would have been you know, McIniff would have been breaking on to the ball or whoever. And then you go back to Benson, you know, who was at his best, would have been actually very good in those type of situations. That even when they had the ball at times, there was still actually only one player in the box. You know, yeah. and you have a lot of players who are waiting for things to happen. And that's the question about, like, recruitment, really, that they seem to have recruited, uh, like... A lot of the same type of players. Um, a lot of them know, are not playing. Like, like, well, they've, I mean, like, for, so, that, so you have McElhenney there. You have, okay, Flores was there from last year. Sean Murray, again, a sort of a in and out attacking midfielder whose injury record wouldn't be great. They've signed Patching, um, again, almost McElhenney light, really. Um, you know, you've got Gas, who's been signed. Uh, it seems because the owners read an interview um, by where he featured again questionable injury record, um, and again like you know Adua, who looked very good in the at times against Waterford last week, but again he needs the ball to come to him a bit, you know, um, and uh, you know you could question is his 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 ability at the say champions European level, but like someone like Dan Kelly at least does have that pace, you know, that would get into positions. Yeah. Maybe he's not the most 
Well, he also threw the toys out of the pram. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's, he's, yeah, maybe so. he's not. Maybe he's not like. He probably hasn't had enough chances in Europe, really. But I, mm. I can see why. Like they might have reservations about throwing him in there at times. But they just pace look. Pace. They, they look. They just look so slow and laboured. And that's a that's a problem with Huben as well. And they brought in obviously Macmillan. They let Georgie Kelly go. Uh, Huben's lack of tactical pace in Europe is obviously a major problem away from home. And as much as he's not playing badly this season, he nearly scored. Uh, then they have three in midfield who basically haven't really played together before. McElhenney, again, he's in a massive role tonight. Hasn't played that many games, though. So he comes in. Flores doesn't get on the ball an awful lot. Shields probably not playing necessarily at his best. I thought McElhenney got a bit tired later on as yeah, well. which and is I understandable. Think, but I think, and I think later on, there was almost a sense with the changes. Now, I know people were reacting to Shields being taken off. And he, he actually was driving them on. But I was a bit worried of Shields and Gannon both being on the yellow. Absolutely. And then you had a situation where a team breaking. I could see how... But there was almost a sense of, you know, keep, you know, have as many attacking players in the pitch as possible. But if anything, that emphasised uh, that maybe a, not, a lot of them are too similar. Yeah. You know, and like, also, it, you know, Gannon's, Gannon's yellow card for a team that's, to my mind, is mentally fragile was actually a really bad start to the game because you were right back, partially, arguably booked very early on. Shields get booked, gets booked. Um, and a lot of these really solid players, like what's the malaise defensively about? Like it's that, that, that goal, they just, you can't give away goals like that against average opposition in Europe or any opposition and there's just there's just something not right mentally with that team the body language isn't right you could see Huben very frustrated in the second half before his chance um, I don't I, I would extrapolate that there are very deep underlying issues there and I don't know where it's going to end up but Dundalk yeah I think I think you know I think there's a possibility that you might be right with that um, and I, I don't always agree with some of your statements of that nature um, but I think you know there can be a tendency to to rush the judgment sometimes, yeah, but I think I, I think, the but I think at the moment, you know, if it's once, if it's twice, if it's three times, mm. you're talking five games in a row. Like they weren't good against Waterford in the home game of the cup either, by the way. You know, and and mm. there was an attempt afterwards to present it as though uh, they were, you know, that that they were more to, like themselves, and and they weren't really. You know, um, and okay, the Waterford game last week there was a flurry, but like really, you see, this is the problem. Like, like, like the, the you know, the way even the last couple of minutes. Okay, this, I think there's an element of the second goal that's going to happen when you're pushing, but it was more even the third goal they conceded. They look, they look a bit mentally shot. Like sometimes you see teams that are under pressure. That of course the enormity of the occasion was going to draw a bit of a reaction. Like, they did play well in patches of that game, right? They They're did. good players. Like, yeah, but yeah, exactly. And they have good players who are experienced players, more experienced than the opposition. I thought Sally actually, you know, were one nil up and sort of lost their way a bit and were sort of thinking, you know... They're not a possession like, team. Even at times, even at times, a couple of the breaks that, that Murray made and, and, and Duffy, like, the, at times, actually, a better ball like, would have mm. really exposed gaps. They weren't great no. they weren't massively alert in terms of tracking runs and stuff but I think when, when things aren't great like the heads drop easily you know well, the, 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 the John Sheridan thing on Friday if we go back to that was, was I thought strange on Vinny's behalf because there's also an element of what happens on tour stays on tour he didn't really need to repeat um, by hearsay what had you know been said or not said by John Sheridan whether that was deflection or whether that was you know something else I, I thought it was symptomatic of 
of a sort of a deeper issue there because I, I it grabbed all the headlines needlessly at the weekend, but Dundalk came out of that game and were an absolute shambles in many ways tonight. And I'm just wondering where they're going here because yeah. now, now they have the Europa League is basically SOS save our season. Yeah, yeah, and I mean like you know the 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 way things can work out draw wise there like they they could easily get they could get a more difficult draw than they've they've actually faced here mm. you know and this is the point you know like again it goes back to my point like we can sometimes make excuses for our clubs in Europe you know and I'm often valid like you know how can you compete with a team with that resources etc cetera, etc cetera. it's harder when you are a quite well resourced team you know and they've they, uh, they've, met a, they've, they? they've met a substantial commitment. I, I don't know. I don't know. But like they've met a substantial commitment, and they're not getting results. And they've had like, massive managerial like, changes. This, this league is is very small sometimes, and sometimes it can be too small. And you know the people within it. And like I do, I I do feel a bit for Vinny at the moment because I think mm-hmm. they've tough. had a, they've had a tough time t- lately. I think, um, I, you know. I I I don't know if if it's a hugely functional club at the moment. Um, what do you mean by that? Maybe in terms of well, I just you know you mentioned I, a player I've, being signed in a serious uh, manner. I'll 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 probably go into it again, really, you know. But you wouldn't be sort of madly encouraged by some of the things you might be hearing. Um, and it, it's strange; it's not necessarily in the way that you would expect it to be. You know, people obviously look at the 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 the, the ownership coming in. And yeah. the natural thing when they do badly is, um, well, well, they're going to head off now, um, you know, because they're, you know, they're disinterested. It, it's almost, you know, at the moment from everything I hear is that like that there's certain people that are very interested and very involved, but I'm not sure. I think that's left. I think my my feeling from what I'm hearing is that I think that might have at times. Uh, I'm, I think it's probably put management in a difficult position. But when you then you know, when when there's question marks about recruitment and certain players that are coming in, um, how does that look to other players and, and so on and so forth, you know? Uh, I just think there's a lot of things that are possibly wrong there at the moment. And um, it's strange, like, you know, I think uh, if it was, like, there's, there has been investment coming in there, but I, I wonder, does it need to be a bit more hands-off, perhaps? And And... But but I wonder have we gone too far down a road here that this is t- the type of thing that's going to put people in in a difficult position, um, and and so that's 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 why like you know a lot of things that are happening at the moment there is a, a logic behind it. But to go back to my point, like it is a very small league. Like we both know Vinny. We were, I think we're both fond of Vinny. You know, like it's 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 difficult. But he did speak last week about how he's not at a club where. You know, you can win one, you can lose one, you can win one, you can lose one. Um, and and but that those words are almost the ones that bring pressure back onto yourselves. Like you've probably got, uh, I I don't know, I'd, I'd need to go back to the, to the figures of the two thousands and what the annual budgets were. But you probably are talking one of the biggest budget League of Ireland teams of all time, really. No you know, and you can't you can't play that badly consistently. And again, like, and again, actually, look, again like they haven't they haven't played terribly tonight, but the reasons that they haven't gone through are the same reasons that you can trace back to their previous results. You know, there's like recurring team. There's no doubt there was a period tonight where like they 
like prior to the concession almost that goal in the first half that you're thinking yeah they're growing into this game and their experience is showing etc etc but if things aren't right it doesn't take much for the cracks to emerge and I just I I would be pretty uh, alarmed there's no there's there's absolutely no um, certainty at the moment that Dundalk would finish in the first three in the league this season the way they're playing they're three points ahead of St. Pat's who they were fairly you know, average against at home. Um, they're giving up goals very, very easily. And the way they're playing now, they won't get through in the Europa League on that performance tonight as much as, you know, there were extenuating circumstances. So they're at that sliding doors moment in the season for Dundalk and they have uh, investors who put in an awful lot of money and, you know, would, would argue that they haven't really gotten uh, the return from it uh, so far. So I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure where that, that'll go. Yeah. As a League of Ireland fan, I'm disappointed because... I wasn't surprised by what happened tonight because I knew Dundalk were going in miles off where they've the standard that they've set. Even last season when they weren't great, they were so much ahead of this. And it's disappointing that if there were an Irish audience tonight, they saw any WhatsApp message to me was like, this is crap, you know, this is poor, this is yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's the and, problem. And That's if Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, St. Patrick's Athletic, uh, even the likes of Shells, Derry were playing them tonight, I think they'd have been well up to winning that game. I wouldn't. I, w- I think you're going a bit far there. But, I think but, so, then. but going that far down the league, I think you're going a bit far. I've I've seen a bit of shells recently. Shells would not have beaten that team tonight. Okay, I, I, said, it w- that, I wouldn't amaze me. Um, I just think now we're going a bit far. But but like I, I at the same time, you know, you, you can't, you, you know, you you can't, you can't defend maybe that point too strongly. Um, we'll see. Like we'll see how sell you do against Molda next week. Like you know, they're at home to Molda. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have an idea. I don't, I, like, I don't think that they're they're that bad. I just thought they were limited defensively. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah. They're limited defensively. Like I don't like you know. Let's see how our other clubs do in Europe first before making those statements. Generally, like the Champions League level is still a good bit ahead of the the Europa League early round qualifiers. So, if your statement is correct about that, then you nearly expect all the other teams to go through. Um, which may not necessarily be the case. Well, this this was a team, Dan, that won the league, as far as I know, last season, with, with having less of the possession than the opposition. They're a, a strange outlier team that don't have an awful lot of the ball. And let's be honest, even the chances they created, they weren't unbelievably ingenious. It was just Dundalk defensively were shaky. And I don't know, this Dundalk team is in a mess at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and like, I mean, how many times have people listened to us at the start of... Uh, the season, and I'm thinking of now, I would have said with absolute conviction loads of times, there isn't a hope in hell that it, that, that the top two will not be Rovers and Dundalk, mm. you know? And I think if it was a 36-game season, I'd probably still come around to that because I think, you know, you'd... You, but now, in the context of this season, I think you're sort of right. Like, I mean, they, they they're... they're if they're not picking up points at home to Waterford, who haven't proved and all, but still lost to Sligo the other day, um, like we'll talk about it later on. Like, but even going to Sligo at the weekend, there's sometimes like the dog when they go into Europe. I think there was a bit of this last year that they come back out of it and it sort of they've probably got themselves up to a pitch even, and they can carry it home with them. And and you might see an upturn in their league performance, but I but I don't know. I think they would have been so drained. They'd be so drained on that flight now. Like, it'll take a bit of a challenge to rally the troops. And again, like if 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 it's possible that 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 you know things aren't necessarily great there, it's obviously harder to lift it. Um, it's harder to lift it now. I mean, I, the idea that they could not finish in the top three, um, you know, with with a budget that would be many multiples of teams that they'll be in competition with there, 
is like unthinkable. Like it's, it's absolutely unthinkable. Um, and I don't think it would come to that if it looked like that was a possibility, if you get me. But yeah. they, they have to, uh, I mean, they needed a hell of a reaction off the back. Some people would think it's an overreaction uh, to be talking these ways. Like, I mean, they, they, like, like Vinny was a penalty kick away from when the travel last year, you know, and, and sort of, but, but the slump has been that alarming, you know, and again, one of the great things about that, like that's one of the best jobs in the country you have there. And, and, and again, like there's a focus on the manager as well. I think as well, like players too, to be fair, like the players there are like, they're on 52 week contracts. Some of them are on like, you know, two, three year contracts. Um, like we've given a length of contract there, you know, that, that, you know, we've, we've always talked about aspiring in our league to be, to be giving, you know, for our players to be given those long-term contracts. But, you know, there would always be a feeling sometimes that shorter-term contracts, like it keeps people sharper or on their toes or whatever it might be. Like their, their, their standards there like of the players individually, even if maybe there's, there's, a, there's a bit of oddness going on around the place. Like it still has to be better than that, you know, like the, some of the mistakes that are being made. Um, so they have to accept responsibility too. It's you can't just you can't just sort of like it's very easy to just focus on management at times, and it's and it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but like the price of being at a club that's paying that money and and you know you know goes away on preseason tours and and you know pretty much you know throws a lot of resources at a you know top class training center there now that wasn't there before, uh, you know and the performance level is not improving in these in these important games and that leads to that leads to consequences there are other um obviously european games next season as or next week as well i'm not sure what's going to happen with jesus yeah. and Derry city which it seems now that the lithuanian authorities do not would include Derry off the green list and um, i don't know what's going to happen there uh, i don't know do you dan but um uh, listen we're recording here now just for people who might listen to this later like we're recording this on wednesday night and certainly now we have a situation where the Lithuania trip for Derry and the Rovers at home to the Finnish side, um, there's just question marks. We have this bizarre scenario now where Slovan and Bratislava are sending their reserves to play uh, the Faroese champions because the, the, the entire Slovan and Bratislava squad went, flew to the Faroes. Their physio uh, tested positive for COVID and as a result the local authorities have put the entire Bratislava squad in quarantine so they've now had to fly over the reserves to play the champions of the Faroes now I can feel someone there going why don't the League of Ireland clubs ever get this type of break you know because <laughs> the Faroese champions are now playing you know Slovan reserves you know and mm. um, uh, like you know the, the, there you go but so as a result I'm speaking on Wednesday. I don't know. I don't know where things are going with our cases. I don't know where things are going with our with our football. We've obviously had the restrictions last night and whatnot, um, sort of raising you know questions even about certain logistic aspects of, of football here. We'll see. Like I'm not even sure. Like next week, you know, we have games on one on Tuesday and and two on Thursday. I'm sure we'll probably do our next pod in between the two. Yeah. But uh, it seems like a lot of bets are off. You know, at this stage, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, we, 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 we may be out of date soon on this because I think this is going to be an evolving story. 
yeah, fervor of uh, hungry playing Bohemians as well. The results last week, we're going to hear from Alan Bennett. Um, I, 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 I advise you to stay listening for the Alan Bennett interview. He was uh, he was engaging and he, he, we'll talk about, we've talked about plenty of things with him, but uh, Dundalk 2, Waterford 2, as we mentioned, Cork City 3, Sligo Rovers nil. Um, a really incredible result considering Cork had scored one goal going into the game. Finn Harps nil, Bowes 1, um, get Dan's view a bit on Danny Grant, who I think has become um, a really, really important Important player for Bowes and maybe a lad that doesn't quite get the credit he deserves. He's gotten vital goals of late. Shells won, Derry won, Derry's uh, Achilles heel at set pieces again, um, costing a very, very poor points record so far. But uh, Kenny Shields has gotten a contract extension. Derry have eight points from eight games so far, which is real relegation stuff more than anything else. And St. Patrick's, 10 men, and Stephen O'Donnell uh, controversially sent to the to the stands as well. Uh, nil, Shamrock Rovers, nil. So Rovers dropping their first points, giving Bowes a glimmer of hope in the yeah. title. Race. I think uh, so. A glimmer of hope, Dan. Yeah, with so few games left. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a funny one because like Rovers look like they still look like the best team in the in the country at the moment. Without even necessarily playing to their best. Well, well I was just going to say that they they uh, they don't actually. I'm not even sure if you could say that they're playing at their best at the moment or playing at their absolute 100. Mm. percent But it's just more. Again, I feel like I'm contrasting it with what we watched earlier, but it's actually just the movement of their players. It's the positions that they're taking up, the technical quality that they have. That you know, that just it's just you know, it, it sort of it, it keeps it keeps opposition on their toes. You know, they're really unpredictable almost at times. And you, you've got Burke, and then you've got uh, you've got Byrne, and then you maybe go a bit more direct with Ferruja. They've other players like Watts as well, and McAniff and. They just have a good range of, of talent there. And they've you know, self-belief and, as well. Yeah, and look, but they're not actually necessarily like firing. Like, you know, like they could very easily have drawn both their last two games, you know, and opened the door for for say Dundalk. That's the one we're thinking of, because that's the way we thought it was. Like if you'd said after the restart, you know, the, the Rovers, you know, they'd beat Harps and and say, drawing their next two games, you, you'd almost have expected the dog to be right up beside them in that mm-hmm. case. But obviously, they, they've won in Derry, but I'm not even sure if you can attribute that as a psychological blow to the dog because they're not just with their own issues. But people aren't really talking about Rovers too much because no. they just look very... Well, the league is absolutely mad, Dan. Like, how can anyone predict who's going to finish bottom? Who, how can anyone predict what's going to happen in second and third? There's like a milieu of teams there that really could go sort of either way. You're thinking... Sligo Watford, who a couple are a couple of good results away or a couple of bad results away from going into a different territory, and the season being so short, like you're you're just completely, you know, you're 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 spoofing really to say you have any idea what's yeah. going to happen. Well, I think the relegation battle is going to be mad. Like you you mm. said you said last week, you know, with certainty that you couldn't see Harps going down on the strength of watching against Pats. Yeah, I would say because you're getting to see all these games now. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. Like you've seen. But and and I would have tipped Harps to stay up before the comeback. But I actually think now they might look the most vulnerable. You know, they just don't look like uh, they don't look like they're going to score enough. And yeah. if 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 Cork have if Kit Elliott coming in, and we'll talk to Alan Bennett in a minute. Mm. But if, if if the attacking players they brought in, Young Denanga scoring two goals in a week, if they've added goals to their side, they actually haven't. The defensive record's been okay. Uh, and then you look, I just can't see. I mean, Sligo, you, you watch Sligo the other day, they just eventually just kept asking the questions and they, they, they wore down Waterford. And even in that court game, look at the highlights, they, they did have chances, even if they maybe didn't play well. I can't see them going down. But then you're like, you're, you're almost going through everyone <laughs> of who can't mm. go down. And this way, come back around to Harps. And I, 
I think like Shell, they're just picking up points with their experience. But I actually think like they've got a bit more to do. Shell still, I think you know. I, again, they've they've got a bit more to do to just completely pull themselves clear of it. But we haven't, you know. Bow's at the other end of it. Um, you just know, very it, solid. It may well be that they that they do inject some life at the top of it because there's not that long left. You know, they just need to keep winning the games they should win, and then mm. like they play Rovers in a couple of weeks' time in Tala. And no fans. Like, yeah, like I mean, if they, they no can, fear going to Tala. if they can somehow pick up a result there, like, yeah, it's it's open. I, I find it hard to see it at this stage, but um, it's not implausible. You know, it's completely implausible because it's, like, you, when you get to eight, nine games territory left, I mean, it becomes a bit mental as well as just like it's not going to be the physical test that it was. Like the fixtures are spaced out nicely yeah. to the rest of the season, so it's a bit more about uh, the team's individual composure and organisation as opposed to say grueling out the league because it's not going to be as much of a grueler as it as it tends to be. Uh, yeah, let's hear from Alan Bennett now and then we'll um, hear the interview with Tim Clancy. We'll talk a little bit of First Division afterwards, but here's Alan Bennett who we spoke to earlier. We're now joined by uh, Cork City stalwart Alan Bennett. Alan, I can only imagine the mood has gone up uh, quite a notch over the last week or two uh, down Leeside. Yeah, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a results business. We all know that. And, and when you pick up a couple of positive results, um, like we had last week, it, it does improve things. Um Look, it's mad at the moment. It's mad. It's mad. It's a mad situation on and off the pitch, and um, we're just getting used to it. And 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 to be fair, this week has been really good, really positive. So it's been it's an easier world when you have a good result, definitely. The, the um, you've won goal in seven games, and then obviously the long for result. But I don't think anyone predicted the three 0 win over Sligo, and you're playing a key role. You're playing one a centre of three at the back, but that must have been a brilliant thing to be part of, just with all those young players involved as well. Yeah, it, it's 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 mad, like because you have an academy of, of, of players in the 17s and 19s who are itching to get into the first team, and and we've had successful youth teams in the past who haven't got near the first team, just because of the first team was successful at the time, and now there's opportunities there for young players to just to just grab it, and that's, I suppose people people talk about luck sometimes in sport, and maybe some people play it down, but I think I think it when you're a young player to get that break, it, it is luck because. Like, like I said, we had we had a youth team, uh, Keen Coleman's age group. You know, that was Conor McCarthy, Chidozi. Um, a lot of them had to go away from Cork City to get first-team football. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, the group in Cork City are able to get into the first team and play in the first team. So, like, that's a, that's a massive stroke of luck for them. Again, it was similar to my age group. We, we had quite a successful youth team and a lot of them had to go away to get into the youth te- to get into first-team football. So, um like for the young players at the moment, it's such a massive opportunity to just try and grab it and, and take that. And, and uh, you know, it breathes life into older fellas like me too when you see the young lads taking their chance. Yeah, I mean, Alan, Ricardo Denanga um, has just been a revelation with his two goals in, in two games. I mean, how does it feel to actually be sharing a pitch with someone who wasn't born when you made your Cork debut? Which is, which is <laughs> sadly, factually correct. Yeah, I didn't know how we were going to get his age in. I think he doesn't have a job I'm going to keep a little counter here, lads, all right? So that's one, okay, of every age joke that's made. Throughout this, that right? wasn't a joke. <laughs> right. That was actually just a fact. I love, I, love, I love facts, reference jokes. I love separate columns, all right? Um, look, yeah, no, I, I, don't worry. Me and Nultz talk about this probably every day like that. He wasn't, 
even born when 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 we were making our debuts and, and when I was in probably my second season when he was born. Um, but look, it, it it's it's him. Eunice has been incredible at right back. They're they're just they're just young lads and they've they've zero fear and it's it's great to see and and they come in and they they just they, like. The, 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 like each player is, you know, you can look at each player under technical level, tactical level, physical and mental. And it's the, the young players who mentally like feel like they belong at the level are the ones that succeed. Yeah. And it's mentally the ones that don't feel like they belong there will fall away, unfortunately. And, and you don't know that until the player steps into the first team, unfortunately. That's the only way to test that. Like they can be, the, the other players can be very stronger in the areas technically, in the areas physically in the areas tactically, but it's just that mental feeling of feeling like you belong at this level and probably higher levels, which they have to dream for. And that 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 is what those two players are showing, I think, in, in how they're approaching game, how they approach training, how they approach when they come into play. And that's so important. There was a great moment in the Sligo game. Not everyone would have seen the Sligo game just because there was a few issues with the with the service, but I know it's, it's available on playback now and so on. But there was a there was a moment where Eunice Cargo uh, made a brilliant tackle towards the end, and I think you could see him almost celebrating it like a goal. And I think you were actually sort of giving him a pat on the back afterwards. That I mean, do you do you almost get a buzz off that desire? Like he was actually taking pleasure from like that type of goal save and block, which is, I guess, where you get your kicks, you know, as, as a defender. I mean, are you sort of enjoying his sort of enthusiasm for it? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, we, we actually spoke about it the next day, me and him, he came in and, like, every young player just carries their phone around with them now nonstop. Like, so, like, the phone comes out, look, did you see this? And I was like, yeah, I've seen it. Like, I've seen it back. I said, look, oh, I goes, I goes, that's, that's better than a goal for me. I was absolutely buzzing off that. Your desire to get back there, put that tackle in. That's a goal-saving tackle. Like, that is as good as sticking one in the top corner for me. Like, And he goes, yeah, I know. I was oh, so happy when, when I see null save. And I go, look, that's what you have to do, man. You have to do that every week, unfortunately. And and, and that's 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 the requirement. But the mere fact that he wanted to do it and, and was buzzing off it, like, just spoke volumes for me. I was, I was I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Yeah, he's a good lad. You've been through a lot of different experiences in football at different levels and different crowds. Just as like as a as like and I mean you can put it up to two, but as as a veteran player um, on the counter, like how have you found the whole? It's almost going back to base here, where suddenly no crowds at games. Like I don't does it does it bring you back to I don't know like underage football or. Is it reserve football? If you if you played any in England, or or what the like, what can you compare it to? Because these are games of of really like, I mean, that was a massive game last Friday. Mm. There's a lot at stake here for the club, and yet there's there's no one really there, with the exception of sort of whatever, like you know, a, a couple of voices. So like, how, yeah. how have you found that aspect of it? Very strange and very mixed, to be honest, because. On leaving the ground the other night, I actually felt sorry for the fans who weren't there to, to, to kind of get that buzz of the end of the game in Longford at the end of the game against LIGO. And I, I kind of just felt a bit sorry for them leaving the ground. And then on the flip side of that, you have these young players. Would the game have been the same if 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 we, you know, like we took us to the very last minute to score against Longford? Would the pressure have increased from the crowd mm-hmm. there? Would that have brought a different aspect to the young players? Would, would that have brought a different aspect to the senior players? Then there's lads who've joined the club who have never, you know, seen Turner's Cross rocking, and they probably won't see that now because of, because of the way it is. So like they don't understand how passionate Cork City fans are, and and 
Oh, Pasha League of Ireland fans are. It's taken it's taken a bit of a a slight bashing in the, in the last week or 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 league, and and mm. I don't think these players now will get to see the passion of of our, our, our fans, which is kind of sad in a way as well. From my own experience, look, I, I suppose I've I've kind of said from the very start that as people ask me this at the very start, and I said my motivation as a player has never been about entertainment. It's never been about you know creating beauty. It's been about winning and destroying and God you're um, really selling it here this is beautiful stuff <laughs> destruction and so on like yeah well it has like it, it, it has you know and I, I take I get a thrill out of that you know so I suppose it, it takes you a long time to figure yourself out as a person but yeah like I, I, I don't care if one person is there or if you know 10,000 people are there I, I want the same thing which is to, to get the better of the person I'm marking you know you're, you're sounding it. like you sound like a bit of a Cork version of Gary Deegan there at the moment but uh, <laughs> the, the, the Cork thing is fascinating because like the celebrations for the goal against Longford um, it, it, the, the squad is a bit like a social experiment in ways because of Neil Fenn's hand being forced but there seems to be for such a disparate group of characters you look at Kit Elliott coming in who I was talking to a guy who, who uh, watched the game closely and was raving about and you see the guys that Dan mentioned yourself Kevin O'Connor Mac McNulty obviously so there seems to be a massive togetherness there under a manager who isn't even there that long himself yeah and, and, and look and, and from I suppose I've kind of stepped into the coaching aspect a little bit although I'm, I'm, I'm definitely getting more of a thrill out of playing any day of the mm. week but um, I suppose from, from the recruitment point of view uh, like like Fenny would have had a plan at the start of the year that he was recruiting for a 40-game season, you know, so he could think to himself, okay, I'll go with a much younger age profile, I'll develop this team over the year, find there'll be setbacks, find there'll be challenges, but I think over the year I'll get enough out of them football-wise to, to be able to build on. But then things change after six, five, I think we five games played, things change, and now all of a sudden, if Neil Fenn had come into Cork City post COVID, he would have looked at he had to look at the squad and think, I need senior established pros now to get me from the position I'm in up the table, you know. So mm. like it literally it went from one end of recruitment to the opposite end of recruitment. We were looking to get to get lads in who were senior guys. So it it it, it and it and that all, that all was a massive challenge for him and, and it all had to change because you know, he was he was given the remit of, of changing the style and the, and I suppose the culture of the club to an extent, and then flip forward post post lockdown, you're given a, a totally different remit where he has to recruit differently for, and that's what he's done and that's what he's tried his best to do and and we just have to see you now we're not even through the first series of games yet we've Derry and that's the, that's the last game of the first series. So, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll have to see how it all works out at the end. Yeah, and uh, what are these? What are these kids like? Just for people who wouldn't have seen much of Cork, uh, you know, who's been impressing? Because these are, you know, these are some players that have come from like they're on loan from serious clubs as well. Like obviously have a lot of potential, including Elliot. Yeah, and and like it's, do you know what? It's it's just, it's kind of like a. I feel it's a wake up call for our local lads here because mm. these guys are in big clubs in the UK and they have. To, not that they have to. They're coming to Cork because they want to play first team football. They're coming to the League of Ireland, uh, a, a so-called pub league, to come and play football. You know, <laughs> so like <clears throat> I'm waiting for you to actually change your podcast name to Pub League Pod- Podcast. That'll be that'll be the next stage. But probably done from a pub as well. 
<laughs> There's generally a lot of pub talk in this, to be fair. So I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best a lot point. Of shite but... talk as well. <laughs> yeah. um, you you you've mentioned that that point. Obviously, uh, you've mentioned that a couple of times. That you've seen Sheridan, I presumably in action in the RSC that time. Is this just all nonsense, or what did you make of it? Yeah. Look, I. Look, I, I played League One, League Two. You know, I, I played against Chesterfield. I played against Plymouth. I played against Newport. I played at at, at these at these clubs that he's managing. You know, and it's, it's, it's not La Liga. You know what I mean? It, like mm-hmm. you go to, to to Newport, there they share their ground with a, with a rugby club over Christmas. There isn't a blade of grass on the pitch. Like it's like going back in time, and it's it's and but I'm not disrespecting League One and League Two either by no means because there's some really good working class fans, really good working class clubs, mm. really dedicated coaches, you know, they, they could, they, they're probably in an area where they could travel to, to go watch Liverpool and Manchester, but instead they go down to Tranmere, you know what I mean? So yeah. these, these fans are making that call and, and, I, and I appreciate that and I actually admire that dedication. But like, it's not a million miles to come over and the RSC isn't, isn't too dissimilar from Rodney Parade, which is what, which he has where Newport play, I think. Mm. So, like, you know, I just think it's a bit of talk. It's a bit of deflection. It's a bit of shape shifting. It's 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 a managerial ploy that's come in, in in the last few years where you just you get out in front of it, get out and you control the narrative as opposed mm. to the narrative being about the game and the performance. You know. But a deflection in what sense? Are you thinking? There's, I mean, are you surprised that it that it, that it actually came out <laughs> in public as such? The the comments. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's it's obviously a, a choice by by the Dundalk manager by Vinnie Perth to, to get this out there, you know. So I I just think it's him kind of controlling. Like from my point of view, there's there's a lot of stuff said on the pitch that I would never come out and say afterwards between myself and opposition players, you know. Um, so, but like maybe it should be the same between managers, but obviously it, it, he felt it wasn't. It's just I, I don't know a bit of gamesmanship, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, but that, okay, and, and it's, it's always difficult. That would have been my impression of it to some degree that, like, a lot of stuff is said during the games. And having seen Sheridan on the sideline, he's a pretty uh, vocal type of manager. He likes the wisecrack and the comments or whatever it might be. But, but that, okay, if you take his, his comments seriously, his reported comments seriously, I mean, I'm guessing in England you possibly would have encountered people who would have viewed the league here in those terms, though, to some degree. That that perception might exist. Um, maybe not in the most blunt uh, public terms, but you know what I mean. There would be a sort of a negative perception of it. Yeah. Well, there, it's it's not a, it's not a, it's it, there's no perception to be brutally honest. Mm. Like that's like. There's a lot of questions. Like anybody who ever spoke to me about it was more questions. And what you know is it professional? And then you're trying to explain it, but you can't really explain it without you know because they're like in England, it's an industry and a subject. So you're a professional footballer. It's an industry, and some of the professionals in the in League One and League Two are some of the best I've come across because they are travelling miles to, to to get to the training ground and they're commuting hours and hours to get there and to put in their work. So. You're trying to explain that 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 the League of Ireland is way more fragmented within one league of ten clubs. You have mm. the very top down to the very bottom, and then you have the first division, which is more fragmented again. Yeah. So it's in in Ireland, it's it's not seen as an industry, unfortunately, and and that whole culture slowly, hopefully, changing. It probably has more in the time maybe since I've started, but it's moving that and 
iceberg rate. Like it's going so slow, but I suppose we don't help ourselves then in some situations either as a league, you know? Mm. Like how did you find the, I guess it's, the, it's what you say, it's what you ask everyone now, like how was the lockdown for you, you know, like how did it actually go? But I mean, in terms of where you're at, in terms of uh, you're, 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 you're trying the coaching, I think you've like you're you're working on education and stuff like that as well. Like, how did you actually occupy yourself during that time? Yeah, I was just, I was just going to say to Johnny there before we came on air that that the um, the actual lockdown probably suited me slightly in terms of being able to run hard and then recover. Like, because at, at, during a normal season, you can't get that time in where I can take two or three days after a, a very hard session to 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 get back to full fitness again to go again run hard again you know so mm. because you just don't have that time so it probably suited me like I was able to just come out go 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 over the road here and there's a, there's a community pitch over there I had to climb the fence get in there and just just do runs around there and it would take about 45 minutes maybe an hour come back and then I'd have you know a couple of days to, to, to maybe go on the bike and you know get off my feet and then and then go run hard again maybe two or three days later so um, look, all, all the time, it, it was kind of like, why am I doing this? In my head, I was thinking, why am I doing this? But then I thought about my own mental health, my own like, physical health, and I thought I need this, you know, to an extent. But then am I doing this for football? Am I doing this for myself? It mm. kind of, yeah, it was always rattling around in my head, like, you're a 38-year-old athlete, why, what's, the, what's the point? But then, feck it, why, why not come back as a 38-year-old athlete and, and be challenging the young lads when, when we come back for fitness testing? So all the time you were kind of back and forward, but I suppose in the, at the end of the day, you just, just go and do it. Uh, it's interesting that just like Damien Delaney spoke before that when he when he played for Cork City under John Caulfield, that he felt that he probably overdid it um, towards the end of his career in terms of training. So it's it, he wasn't really able to perform because he felt he was overtraining at that age. And is 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 Neil Finn managing your age? There's a, a third reference to it. Is he managing what you can do better <laughs> training-wise? Like? Um... Yeah, it's it's so difficult. I, I totally understand where Damien is coming from because when and we even speak about it now that the the the, the training and the levels that that John would have pushed the team to, and then it, it's it's similar enough with Neil and Joe to be fair because Joe Joe's Joe's a tough tough taskmaster like and he really drives the team. Joe Gamble. Um, Joe Gamble, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And I suppose look, it just you need to build up as a as a senior pro. I need to build up the credit and show my performances to then be able to take a day out, you know, of training. So, unfortunately, if you're not in the team, you can't build up that credit to be able to say, look, I need the rest mm-hmm. because football is so in the moment and Neil and George are so looking at the next training, the next recovery day, the next match. And then it was it was probably the same with Damien, with John. He, he probably never felt like he built up enough credit to be able to step into John's obstacle. Look, I need I need two or three days here, like so. It's kind of that balancing act. Is it is it in our culture? Probably not. If we're in a different in a different country, maybe across maybe in Italy or where you see longevity in players quite commonly. Um, I know, but if you think Paul McGrath, like the possibly the best centre half we ever had, obviously it was well known that his career had to be managed because he was old and knees and so on. Yeah, and then do you know what I was looking at uh, Giles, the, the documentary the other night, and he mm-hmm. played till he was thirty nine. You know, so yeah. I think it's really down to the individual. It you know you need to at some point just either just fight your own corner or or just say, look, enough's enough. I need a break today. 
mm-hmm. and just just gamble it that way a bit. Do, do, I mean, do you think that the circumstances of the season, the way it's worked out, that you know, rather than it being some sort of transitional season and you're straight into this relegation battle, unfortunately, like from the start, there's no other way of phrasing it really, um, although you might tell me otherwise, um, that, that it's actually almost like it's, it's made you more important, that experience for what's happening here. Whereas if it was a 36-game season, early on in the season, they were looking to try other options. I know there was Joe Redmond was there and there was different... You know, you could see that maybe they were building towards something. Whereas now it was more, we need the, we need the experience for what we're in. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right on both counts. I think, um, I think we were in a situation when I was coming out of the team. Conor McCarthy and Sean McLaughlin were both in the in the team, and they were both at a great age for a centre back. Where you could, you know, build the whole team around the two of those players. Two of those players were sold, which is highly unusual to have you know, two players from the same position go from the same team mm. at the same time. So that then created a bit of a void. Joe Redmond and Joseph Alou came in and they, they looked like we could build something around the two of them. They're like excellent technique. They're really good distribution. They were really two really good athletic athletic guys, two young guys. And they were slightly inexperienced, but they had that technical level that Neil wanted and could build around. But then, as you said, the whole the whole thing changes, and then Joe's Joe Redmond's um, situation changed. So then, I suppose Neil looking at a squad, and I'm just there, sat in front of him, I suppose, and he just thought, Do you know, this guy's here. He, he signed. He's experienced. We've uh, what is it? What was it at the time? Maybe 14 games left or whatever. It's now about I need this type of player. So I suppose the circumstances had have played into played into my hand a little bit, um, which I'm obviously enjoying. Mm. It's it's a weird one. I don't, we, we're we're trying not to go down the road of uh, talking too much about like you know the crowd or the longer term situation in the country here in this pod. Mm. We're trying to give people a break from it, but um, like, is there a sort of a, and this is another age related one, but is there almost <laughs> like a determination to keep going to play in front of that core crowd again, or do you look at it and think, God, this could be it. This could be you know this reality we're living in at the moment. This could be a version of that for a long time. I and mean, you said it yourself earlier on, some lads may not get the experience to play in front of the Cork crowds that, that you have. Yeah. And, wow, do you know, I've, I've never really, I haven't thought that far down the line, if I'm brutally honest. Like, is it a factor? It definitely is. Will it become a factor when, because we're so week to week and we're so, mm-hmm. like, even as, a, even as a society, we're like, even last night, you know, new, new, new things come out as recommendations and and we're all finding our way in this like daily it seems you know so I, I suppose that in that sense I haven't really thought that far ahead but I just will football survive without fans I, I don't know like I really don't it's so strange to think about never playing in front of a live crowd again or being at a game for my own self like a, half of the, the joy of retiring is that I can go down and you know slate players like you know what I mean and I go down <laughs> and watch and watch and watch players and get enjoyment out of players and and not being able to do that would, would just be would just be crazy. It's it's funny you say that because like you do get the feeling that um, Cork City, despite the fact that it's very very recent that they were winning titles and all that, I think the crowd would have absolutely like I think it would have been a raucous Turner's Cross. I'm not saying there would have been seven thousand there, but for that three nil win over Cork, given what you're trying to do, the circumstance you're in, it, it's almost a shame because you can just imagine the shed like absolutely lapping it up when you get three goals and these kids are making waves. One hundred percent. Like, and 
they would have just absolutely loved to see a local lad from Man and a local lad from Ballincollig coming on and and, and changing the game and, and and scoring goals and making appearances and and you know it's it's and then you have the, the other lads coming over from the UK and you're wondering what they're like and will they fit in and and that all you know gathers interest and that all gathers people to brings people to Turners Cross to be able to see that and you know form their opinions on it and enjoy it and like yeah looking forward I, I don't know I, I really don't know where, where it's all going to end up it's, 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 it's so unprecedented at the moment mm. you, the, whole, um, the whole dynamic of uh, working with a former teammate I know you're like you're doing a bit of coaching as well but like when you have like Neil and, and Joe there and you've actually been through a lot of stuff together as 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 players I mean I know as I said you have a coaching aspect to it so you're probably part of discussions but do you have to still have a bit of a distance at times as someone that's still playing or how do you manage that side of things? Yeah, I, I basically there's, there's like uh, all the lads in Bishopton go into the home dressing room um, when they come in, you know, for training and I, I kind of head towards the referees room or, or the UA dressing room, see which one is free, you know, and I normally just go in there and kind of go in there on my own basically, which I don't mind because I don't want to be in amongst the chat that they're having, which they, you know, have the banter and the crack or whatever and then Obviously, because I'm going to be out later with Neil and Joe discussing a session and how a session is going to be set up and what they're planning on doing and how I can help. And then, you know, be seen to be in both camps. So I'm just kind of in between. Regarding the, the dynamic, like with Neil, he was always a senior pro when I was in the dressing room. So that dynamic hasn't really changed. But with Joe, it's kind of slightly different because we were both in the same youth team and we were both came up together. You know, we both came into the first team together and... um so that one at the start was kind of maybe a bit more we need to figure out where we are here in terms of you know he's always going to be demanding and I want him to be demanding and then slightly how we kind of speak to each other maybe you know more than anything but with with, with Neil he's all he was always a senior pro in the dressing room that I was in so that that dynamic was probably more natural like but you just look you, you just find your way like everyone just wants courses to win everyone just wants mm. us to perform so that's the underwriting of every conversation you ever have you just kind of work and work out your relationship as you kind of go along. We we spoke about this as well just pre-show that you 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 were playing at the moment as the center of a three, and uh, you were just mm. mentioning how, like tactical kind of knowledge of the opposition and tactical versatility and ability to kind of change things quickly in the dressing room has is something that's changed radically even from your time playing in in England. Yeah, big time. I suppose we were just talking about there before we came on that when I started out. Um, like the, just just know the tactical conversations that go on in a dressing room prior to a game is just just mind blowing. Everyone's just like, okay, if they do this, this is what we'll do. If if we do this, this is what they might do. And you're kind of playing out scenarios, and we can do this and exploit this area. And everyone is talking the same language, and everyone is is oh yeah, that's a good idea if this happens. And the, the, just just because when I started out, it was all about okay. Uh, who will show the who will show the bigger passion? Who who will go in harder on tackles? Mm. Who will you know be be the more dominant player? You or your you or your opponent and your opponent's like this. He doesn't like this. He doesn't like this. So he, he might do this. So it was more individual. But then, like I said, everything was four four two when I started in the League of Ireland. When I went to the UK into the lower leagues, everything was four four two. So as a centre back, I was always up against the striker. Um, when I came back to Ireland in 15, everything was 4-3-3 then. So it became about one striker and two centre-halves. And I naturally wanted to go and mark him. So it probably suited me if I had, and I probably did, have 
better ball playing centre half beside me, Kenny Brown, uh, Ryan Delaney to an extent, Sean McLaughlin, Darren Denny, they were guys who would have been in with me. They would have been probably more athletic, better kind of distributors of the football than me. So I was happy to go tight on a 4 3 3. But now in a back three, again, I just immediately say, I want to go mark the centre forward. And then at the moment, not other, not many other centre halves will, will say that because they don't really feel comfortable with that. But I, Which is I'm mad. more than happy. It's just mad. Yeah. It, it blows my mind. Think about it. Yeah. That's the way it's kind of gone at the moment. I think it's gone out of the game. I actually think it's a bit of a shame because Absolutely. I love it. Like, you, you, need, you need the rough and tumble. But uh, would, you, would you put yourself down as a, a glass half full or a glass half empty character? Oh, definitely half full. Like, definitely. I know my uh, probably approach to football and, and talking about football is, uh, it might come across as pessimistic, but mm. it's more that I understand what I am as a player. Uh, but don't get me wrong, when I was in the UK and at, at, at the very highest level and I was training with guys, I was blown away by the beauty of some of the stuff they were pulling off. Mm. And some of the things that you see on match day, you might only see it once, but you see that six or seven times of training on a Monday mm. morning, you know? And I like the passes, the angles, the touches, the awareness, the skills, the finishing, the dribbling, like it, that stuff I used to love. I could relate more to, to an intimidating defender and a defender who loves defending, but I definitely enjoyed as much the beauty of the game, like 100%. You gave a great answer there because what I was actually asking you was, what did you make of, of finishing number 27, uh, which is roughly halfway in Dan's 50 best League of Ireland players of all time? <laughs> it was of 2000 to 2020 as well, Johnny. Like It wasn't of all time, just to be Sorry. clear. As well. Yeah, you wouldn't have been in the Dan, top 50 there. <laughs> Dan has spent the last four months, I'd say, regretting that decision where he just walks down the road of having to pick. Having to pick play, oh my god, I stay away from that. Like, oh, that's just that's my idea of hell. In fairness, uh, though, featuring say. in the in fairness, if you look at the list, like the actual caliber of players from Joey and Doe down, and you made the top like 27 as it is, which is actually no mean feat at all. Yeah, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have because obviously I'd do <laughs> as well. But. I thought he was saying you shouldn't have. To put the attention on him there, to be fair. What? Yeah. This is a shocking comment from Ward. <laughs> Uh, uh, look, 27 probably would have got me near the matchday squad of the all-time greatest <laughs> in that era. So I would definitely have worked my way into the, to the squad. So yeah. Yeah. Like 25. There was no yeah. defenders in it actually above you. So you might actually have been playing, I think, or else it would have been a Cavalier <laughs> style. So it's all those number 10s, like you get away with murder, you know? That's it. That's it. You, you, need a, you, need a, you, need to, you need to section it off into entertainers and just destroyers. And I might mm. get a bit higher in the other section. So I'd be yeah, more happy with that. But it is, I mean, like, listen, that was obviously like a, a, a covered a wide period of time. And it covered, I mean, that is your time in the league, ultimately, although you were away for like a massive, massive chunk of it in the middle. Hmm. But that, it's just interesting what you're saying there about the sort of tactical awareness now and so on. Because people talk about, say, how standards compared to now even versus 2005 and that like superb team that you had then. Like is 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 are they like sometimes people just it's very black and white. It's like the standards are higher, the standards are lower, but you're almost describing a, a different game now to some degree. And with that, there's probably things that you've lost, and there's things that you've maybe gained. I mean, like how do you actually sum it up? Yeah, wow. We could spend another hour chatting about this. I'd say like mm. the, the, the the things, the things you've lost are. 
possibly the individual like greatness of players like you know like the individual player who just takes a team and and regardless of what the other team tries to do just tears them apart because everyone is so aware now of tactically you know with and without the ball every manager will look at a player now with and without the ball and that player who just without the ball you can just give him a free reign because with the ball he's so incredible might be going out of the game a little bit if you know what I mean Um, what we've gained is uh, an an education and a discussion around that a manager can come in and and pick and choose and tinker and and change and the whole dressing room will just be on on the same page in in a 15 minute conversation you know Um, but uh, like I suppose it kind of takes away from the individual it's more about the collective now which is good in one sense but it's, it's still the individual within that still needs to take responsibility of winning a game. And ultimately, it's still and, football. Yeah, all, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and, and that can kind of get lost in the conversation as well, mm. with, with, especially with some younger players who, who might be overthinking stuff and, you know, paralysis by analysis. These kind yeah. of things might come into play a little bit. We, if but, we, if we, yeah. Yeah, sorry. If, yeah. if we did have... We've, we've literally run out of time with this. We did have a second part of the interview, um, I think we'd mentioned the fact that you're in second level teaching, which we, we just spoke about earlier, and we'll have to get you on before the very brief season is out, but Benno, it's been brilliant having you on, um, I'm fascinated by what's going on in Cork and just that marriage of yourself and the, the, the older players and the younger players, and best of luck against Derry on Friday as well, big, big trip to Brandy Up. Sound lads, always appreciate the, uh, the, the invite, and I'm a big fan of the podcast, I love what you're doing, good stuff. We'll send you, we'll send you the check in the post. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Adam. So Thanks much. so much. I, I think it's refreshing, Dan. We're both um, similar enough age, I suppose, to Alan Bennett, and you can feel the old mortality creeping in and the aging process and all that. And that man is just loving playing football at the moment. Mortality is a bit dramatic. Like we're, we're well, yet, so. but yeah. like, um, yeah, no, like he, he's 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 obviously you know he's lived it all in terms of the four really, you know, in terms of like say in terms of the local context, but also then going to, he's played for his country and he's played at all levels in England, aside from the Premier League, I think. So, yeah, he's, he's seen, and even like those, those John Sheridan comments and stuff, we haven't really gone into, although I think they're going to, by the way, the one thing about Vinny uh, and the, 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 whatever comments and whatever benefit they had to himself at that stage, they've like pumped up everyone else against Waterford in a weird way. Like <laughs> the Ronan Coughlin celebration the other day, you know, the pine trick and celebration, you can just, you just feel like there's some people in, in the league who are bristling a bit and are going to, they're going to, they're going to be looking forward to this Waterford game. In a way, like, in a way, I mean, you know, Sheridan has brought a bit of life to proceedings in a, in a, in a weird way, you know? He has. We uh, wanted to get him on the pod this week, but Waterford refused, which was not an entirely surprising development. Probably not. He'll he'll face that question at some stage. But as I said, mm. they won't. They won't. They won't. They still won't talk about the whole situation with the, the COVID. Really. Yeah, I've asked yeah. about that, and you know the answers are just not. I mean, just not, not satisfactory. But but there you go. I mean, as I said, like Waterford aren't necessarily the club that's been the most functional club either in the in the league in recent no. times. But but no, listen, Alan Bennett like is is has had a terrific career, and I, I liked. I mean. I didn't. You don't mean to be putting, uh, making him, uh, putting him on the spot there, talking about like what happens in the next year or so on. But like someone like him, like 
whenever he does play his last game, like you want it to be coming off to an ovation from a patch shed. Not you know? that woman roaring at Turner's cross. <laughs> but like, I think all for all the older players in the league at the moment who are, you know, coming towards their last season or last 18 months or whatever, whatever decisions they're facing about their future, it's almost like, it's this, this is almost like a half-life at the moment. You mm. know, that, that like you, you, you always say you want to go out on your own terms. I'm not sure if these are anyone's terms right now and it's even There's a low mortality again. It's, it's it's a low intensity season as well just mm. with the number of games so i suppose a lot of lads would be inclined maybe to to go again if they had any doubts around it but um we'll see i i honestly thought this time last week again just to be honest like this time last week i really thought it was possible corp would get relegated um but now well, yeah, absolutely now all of a sudden you probably listen to those words and that mixture of the youth and the the slightly senior players and the, and we did speak about it to be fair the, the variables was the, the, the guys coming in from outside um, and if they're of a sufficient quality um, they might they might just be they might just be okay but maybe they can't build momentum in the way that you usually would that you know being Cork can be fickle at times a couple of good results they got a much bigger crowd out to their next match and they carry it yeah, with them it doesn't think... matter they still walk out to the next game and there's actually less people there I know I think, I think Neil Finn deserves you know a little bit of credit because uh, he, he probably got into a job that has been very very different to what he'd envisaged and uh, you know he's sort of cobbled together youth and experience and they seem to have they seem to be far more mentally there than some of their more um, illustrious uh, rivals at the moment so we'll see what happens there but let's let's get to Tim Clancy now I was at Drogheda United and Galway United this did end in a managerial casualty um, which wasn't a major surprise because Galway United would have a very big budget this season and they lost again uh, to Drogheda on Monday night after which I spoke to Tim Clancy and uh, just bear in mind that he's asked questions here that were subsequently redundant. Tim that was a, a vital win really probably a hard fought win although you did have chances to kind of win the game obviously more comfortably. Uh, yeah listen on Friday night uh, uh, down that loan we didn't perform well and uh, listen we sort of got lucky with a penalty later on got, a, got ahead and we gave away a silly silly penalty ourselves in the last minute and it's sort of a bit edgy coming into tonight then because we were poor from a few crosses in the game against Athlone and previously against Rovers but uh, got the goal early with Chris's penalty tonight and in fairness Chris had a 1-1 in the first half to extend it uh, and then we defended really well then in the second half putting our body in the line winning tackles winning headers uh, following runners so we're disciplined with our, with our shape gave up a lot of possession but we have the players in that can counter and as I showed there I think we had three or four in the second half where we were one-on-one and uh, Matt Connors made a few great saves in fairness to him. Yeah, just Matt, Matt actually just gone by us there. He's, I think he made three saves his feet tonight, but uh, defensively, draw I thought were excellent. Yeah, listen, we did. We, we tweaked it a little bit because we knew there was going to be a lot of pressure. And, uh, we played three then for the last 25 minutes or so. and uh, Two wing-backs, full-backs. Uh, Connor and Jimmy give us so much so much uh, legs and energy. and I thought they were excellent there tonight. And uh, Listen, it's a really important win for us. Uh, we're probably a couple of points worse off than we wanted it to be at this stage but uh, having dropped points against the two teams at the bottom of the league what it shows then that the league has improved this year and uh, the teams that you'd expect to be down the league is uh, a lot fitter and a lot more organised and um, they're far stronger league this year I think and not a lot between a lot of the teams It's a mad first division isn't it it's very hard to, even though it's a short season it's going to be a long season as well Yeah listen Cabo are, people are looking and saying they've started well but you've got to factor in that Cabo were brilliant all last year as well and uh, 
I think people probably thought they would have fell away at last year, but they're a very well uh, organised team and they all know their roles and they've got some uh, really, really good footballers there as well. And um, They've started the season on fire this year and another huge result from down in Longford tonight. And uh, We've got to try and just get as many wins as we can to keep the pressure on and uh, we played them in a couple of weeks here and it'll be a huge game. Do you feel for Alan Murphy at the moment? Yeah, because listen, again, there's a game that they could have easily got something out of and get the woodwork there at the end with a header and... Uh, they didn't really force our keeper into many saves, in fairness, but did a lot of pressure on our box, and that's why we signed Big Huey and Dell and Jack Chute to give us that little bit of steel in there that maybe we hadn't had the last few years. But uh, again, Murph is, listen, you can see they're a really good team, and it's just not working for them at the minute. But maybe the fact that it is a short season that might uh, play against them this year, but there's certainly very little between the sides, and I know last week they were very unlucky against Longford as well. How have you found this mad season so far in terms of the lockdown and trying to get the players back to fitness and so on? Yeah, it's been, it's been difficult. It's been like we started the season with a good win down at Cove and then we got eaten here by Longford in the game that possibly should have got something out of. Uh, we missed a few chances that day and then uh, we had a great win against UCD and thought we want to get a little bit of momentum going and then you're shut down for four months and you come back and you don't know where you're at at that stage because the games you play... Um, they're a bit false compared to uh, the games in our division because you're giving up a lot of possession against uh, Dundalk and Pats and Shells, teams in the Premier Division that we played and uh, they're different types of game and, um, and then obviously since we've come back then we've dropped points in two games and we've won two games so uh, it is, it's going to be a very, very short season but an exciting one. Are you enjoying the managerial career you've had so far at Drada? I know you've a tight enough budget here and you've, you've haven't been promoted yet, but um, I guess your reputation and that of your assistant is quite good, Kevin Doherty. You seem to be doing a good job. Listen, we're trying to improve every year. and uh, You look at the points you accumulate for the first year and we improved on it in the second year and we scored more goals. and uh, We've started this season quite well and um, we're just trying to improve and make us a little bit more, uh, a bit better than we were previous years. and. Listen, we'll see where it is. It's, it's, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's what I want to be doing. And uh, obviously, started the pro license now as well. So um, that's exciting. And I know this, I want to make it a long career. And I was lucky enough to grind out a bit of a career in playing days and I managed to get 14, 15 years out of it. And if I can replicate that in, in managerial career, I'll be happy enough. Finally, uh, Stephen Kenny's gotten the Ireland job, obviously. What do you make of the standard of the young coaches in the league that, uh, that are left in the Premier and First Division? I think because of the likes of Stephen going in as a, as a young man and uh, doing really well at all the clubs he was at, um, probably didn't get the time he got at, uh, at Rovers that he probably deserved. And you see what he did at Dundalk, and obviously that's the that's the the, the bar. Everyone wants to get to that level. And um, but I think the age profile of a lot of the managers is is uh, probably changing a little bit. Uh, it suits the likes of me who's only coming into management. And uh, we we have to as young young managers, and young coaches, we have to try and do well to open up opportunities for other people and it's great to see Fanny doing well at Cork now and um, obviously Stevie O'Donnell's in at Pats and Stephen Bradley's doing really well now at Rovers after having a sticky start um, but it shows that they uh, stuck with him and listen he's got it right now so um, that's it like and the profile of young managers could be very good but it could also be very short lived as well and yeah you're really I don't know, maybe you're judged on your first job and it has to, you have to do a good job in, in where you are and as a young manager you're supposed to be maybe under more pressure than an experienced lad who's had a few good jobs behind him but it is what it is. Uh, I'm quite happy with how we're doing here and uh, I've got a great board behind me and 
Um, all the players are a really good bunch of players and obviously coaching staff we have here as well is, is really good so um, I'm enjoying it. Just on that as well, Vinnie Perth's obviously Dundalk have been really wobbling of late, your, your loud rivals. Have you, have you been a bit surprised at that? I know it's the Premier Division, you have your own work to do but um, it's, it's, it's funny how things can change quickly post lockdown. Uh, listen, they're saying wobble, they've drawn a couple of games and there's a crisis there. That's the standards that they set at Dundalk for the last seven, eight years and um, it's, a lot of players have been there a long time now so people just expect them to go and roll over and, or just go and steamroll teams and teams roll over and that's not the case um, obviously you're, you're going to be judged and that's, I don't know, listen, it's probably a similar situation to uh, whoever went in after Stephen was always going to have a difficult time because of the, the heights they got to um, similar to like anyone who went in after um, Alex Ferguson at Old Trafford or uh, Arsene Wenger in at Arsenal someone that's been there that long and very successful it's, it's hard to follow but listen they won the league last year they had a good season. It's just that they're a little bit off it this year. So um, I think when Cork won the league, they won the first 17 games. And Dundalk were, I think we were actually at Bray, we were ahead of Dundalk after the first round of the game. So we haven't got that far this year. And now people are saying there's a crisis at Dundalk. So you've got to remember it's a shortened season. So um, it's taken them a while to get going the last couple of years. If there was maybe 36 games, they'd get themselves going. But because it's a shortened season, I suppose every, every slip up is seen as a... Um, as a crisis and especially at a club like that where they're used to winning every week Thanks for your time No worries Johnny Don't forget to visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you will find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE or Tricity Premier Division This week Lottoland is enhancing a treble consisting of three title contenders uh, such exists of Rovers, Bowes and Dundalk from 130 to 4 to 1 and to avail of this tasty treble uh, which may taste a bit like vinegar the way Dundalk are playing at the moment but you never know what could come off visit lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook so, so Johnny I think that we've seen that uh, you have now become the campaign manager for Dulo for Galway 2020 um, off the back of off the back of uh, the Murphy departure you, you think Paul Dillon like what's going to happen Dan is it going to be a former Cork City manager one way or the other um, you know Johnny Glynn would have been my Rob uh, Hinmark the Galway United manager uh, Rob Hinmarch yeah yeah well Johnny Glynn right let's get to Johnny Glynn for a moment so he's obviously a former Cork City player um, but I don't know what mental state Johnny Glynn is in at the moment to even contemplate this and I mean that in the nice possible way he's gone through trauma that we can only actually speculate about in terms of what happened to his daughter um, and then you have you know, John Caulfield has been mentioned, Dan. I think one of the criticisms of Alan Murphy, um, personally, I thought it, it was a big job for him to get given his lack of experience, but his teams are quite direct and we don't really have a passing fluidity that I think our team could have. And uh, if John Caulfield were to get the job, I don't think we'd see dramatic changes there. I could see John Caulfield galvanising going United, but he certainly wouldn't be my idea of the manager to take forward. I'd absolutely love Paul Toulon to get the job. As I tweeted earlier, he's a winner. Going United is basically a serial loser. And I think it would be an attractive job to very, very many managers because there's money there. It's a fantastic place to play. Galway's the best city in the world. And it's untapped potential. Yeah, I'm sure most work managers in the league will probably fancy that job. To some degree, because mm. because of what you mentioned, like it does look like there's a bit of a budget there, and it's a growth one. Again, though, it's weird. Like you know, sometimes when when you're looking for a new manager, you're looking for. The, I could imagine if Caulfield was appointed, right? And I know he's not a Galway legend. It's not comparable to, you know, when he was a Cork appointed as a Cork legend. But out of nowhere, there was like six thousand people at the next game, mm. you know, his first game in charge. 
Um, you can't you can't use those type of things, you know, even like something that would be a crowd favorite move that all of a sudden you get that financial boost of like, and Galway has the potential to all of a sudden just get like 3,000 people at a game out of nowhere, out yeah. of curiosity. But you don't. You have this, again, you actually just need to get into those playoffs and you need the best football appointment that can come in in a relatively short window and basically get that team again to develop on, on presumably with the budget that's there, like a team that's underperforming. You'll know far more about me than what's been wrong. But like I would have thought that that with some of the players that were signed, uh where's Shane Duggan there or what's happened yeah, with what's Yeah, so he was he was playing the other night. Like he's yeah. obviously an outstanding player at that like, level. It shouldn't there's no way that there's no way that that, that it's a sort of again it's a bit, go back to the dog territory at a different scale. It's unthinkable they couldn't finish in the top five. You know, well, they uh, might be reliant on Shamrock Rovers finishing in the top fives to allow the six. That's, that's bonkers, in. though, isn't it? Um, but, bonkers, but again, yeah. but again, like I, I mean, I would love to see Paul Doolan get back in. I think he, um, he definitely, like, probably, you know, has like when you're out of work for a long, the longer you're out of work, the more, the more damaging it is. You know that 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 there's more of a question mark over you the longer you're away, whereas you've a better chance if you've if you've lost a job more recently or you've left the job more recently. Um, and I know that he would have a reputation for being, he can be quite hard on players, you know, but he yeah. encourages them to be disciplined and to be fit. Uh, well, is there danger then that he's not, is there danger that the game has passed him by? I don't necessarily think there is, but some would say that, you know, the league environment has changed a lot in 10 years. But I think if you're concerned about, like, the, 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 if you're concerned about that, right, you, you probably, it's, you trust in a manager that he picks, you know, a staff, makes a staff mm-hmm. decision that mm-hmm. you have a young coach who is again seen to be in tune with what's going on or whatever developments or trends or whatever it is that you need to be in touch with. I mean, like, I mean, Pat Devlin is is a revelation at the moment. A revelation know, at the age of 68 or whatever. So, so yeah, and that sort of tackles the theory that like, you know, the, the first division management is a, is a young man's game. Like, I know we've heard from Tim Clancy there and so on, but you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like, like Paul Doolan's younger than Pat Devlin. So, um, but he, he like, I, th- I don't even the sense that he would have wanted always a full-time job, that he would have turned down loads of part-time gigs because he wants to commit to it fully. But again, it's just, you know, do you just need a short-term fix to get people, you know, get over the line and into those playoffs? But it's, it's it's very hard. Like all the all the stuff you'd think about when making an appointments for a board, you know, what would this mean for bums on seats and all that are type redundant. of thing? Yeah, they are a bit. Yeah, like it's it's mad. Like so, Dundalk fans are probably feeling pretty shit about life at the moment. But if you're a Galway United fan, you're looking at a city that's far bigger than Dundalk and is perennially underachieved. And at one stage, in the live in running table, was bottom of the first division uh, the other night. So it's like. Something needs to be done here. I've simply Farrell Murphy because you're talking about a lot of one-goal defeats, a lot of things that could have gone wrong. Horgan makes a mistake in Slong for the game they played well in. Um, but that's just the level you're at and you don't get time anymore. And this was the season where they had to develop. And this is a basket case season. Something needs to be done. The Comers have put in an awful lot of money. Yeah. And the Comers are not getting a return. And this is a season, obviously, where we don't have crowds. There's no hype. Um, things need to change. And it, it's very, it's harsh, but such is life. And, you know, if if uh, if if there were a management duo to get a bigger job in the league, Tim Clancy and and Kevin Doherty would definitely be on my list. I know uh, they, they they failed to get promoted yet, Drada. I think they're fantastic the way they were organised the other night. Very small budget at Drada. They're just well coached team. And um, but you know, you mentioned Pat Devlin. I, I think Cabo have been 
you know, absolutely exemplary, Dan. You know, you're looking at the season they've had so far. Um, Devo has been around the game so long. They're, they're at the moment, they're, and I'm just looking at the table here, five points clear of Drogheda and Spray and, you know, and Longford in the hunt, UCD in the hunt as well. Amazing stuff from Cabo so far. And, uh, you know, one of the characters of the game. But yeah, I don't. I don't him. think. Like, I mean, I think Tim is on. Tim Clancy's on the upward. He's on the upward curve. I don't think he. I think. I think if he if he ever is to leave Drawd, I don't think it would be for a first division club. You know, absolutely. I think, I think he's on that. I think he's he's just moving himself up onto that, uh, onto that perch where, you know, the next reasonable job that comes up. You know, you're 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 the one that, that you're the, the the young up and coming manager in the league that people want. Absolutely. Um, so, um, the results were at Lone 3, Drogheda 3. That was a mad game, as Tim mentioned. Bray 2, UCD 0. Cabo 1, Cove 0. Galway 0, Longford 1. Shamrock Rovers 2, Wexford 0. And then Drogs 1, Galway 0. UCD 2, Athlone 1. Longford 1, Cabo 3. Uh, Bray Wanderers 1, Shamrock Rovers 0. Cove 4, Wexford 0. Fixtures for the weekend. Derry City, Cork City on Friday, Shamrock Rovers, Shelburne, uh, Tala on Friday, Bohemian St. Patrick's and Sligo Dock on Saturday, and Watford, Harps on Sunday in the first division, Athlone, Shamrock Rovers, Cabo, UCD, Galway United, Bray, God knows who will be in charge for that, Wexford v. Drogheda, uh, Cove Ramblers v. Longford Town is on Saturday, um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, Dan. so th- then on Monday we've got Stephen Kenny's first Ireland squad. We got a tweet about this. Real C. Dinny uh, sent us a, t- a, t- a, a tweet in as opposed to, I suppose, the fake C. Dinny, um, but uh, lads with SK announcing his first ROI squad on Monday. Uh, wanted us to have a chat really about what the LOI players are that are in contention. Is it still just Jack Byrne and Graham Burke or are the others in the mix? If even Jack Byrne and Graham Burke. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard. Um, I think it's, Stephen is, is going for a smaller squad. So he's going for 23, 24, 25, not the big 40-man Provo squad. So as a result, like he has to really make decisions. Now, they've, there's no doubt that they've gone to watch a lot of Rovers games Um so he's been given every chance, you know, and I think Damien Duff was also at the, the Pats Rovers game on Sunday. I think if anyone's going to be in it, it's going to be Jack. I think he's the only one actually that's got a chance of being in the squad realistically. Burke yeah, is, I think he'll do very well to even make it himself. Burke, Burke, is, Burke is, is only back, um, you know, from an injury and whatnot, you know. So I, I think Jack is is the only one that's in with a genuine shout. Um, I think he'll be... 50-50. In a weird way, like maybe match fitness might help him in the sense that he's playing a run of games into it where that game, those games are actually going to take place in pre-season for all the English best players. Play he players. also has um, magnificent quality from set pieces, which will be important in that Kenny team. Yeah, so I think he's the he's the one. Um, but I think, you know, I think he's going to be right on the cusp of it, I think. I think when you have... A 23-man squad, he's one that comes in around the cutoff. I think if it's a 30-man squad, he's in it. You know, I think yeah. 35 squad, he's in it. Jack's off the ball stuff would be an issue for Ireland, I think. Because it's, it's just, he's not naturally that good off the ball, to my mind. Yeah, well, like, I mean, yeah, like it's definitely something to address. I mean, we'll, we'll see what way Kenny's teams are going to play. Like, you know, what will they always have that type of number 10? Or will it be more about the sort of pace out wide, you know, and as a result, they might look for a different type of option. But that doesn't necessarily mean you don't have the variety in your squad either. Mm-hmm. And that's like, there isn't actually a lot of players like Jack. So you would think if you're going to have tactical versatility, you know, you might still want someone like that as an option. 
in your squad. But I think, you know, again, it's only hard to get a handle on his levels at the moment, Jack, yeah. really. Like, he's, he's played a couple of games since the break. You know, they, they have that European game next week. Um, now, hopefully. again, hopefully. I think if he, if he was coming in off the back of excelling in a European game, it's possibly an easier decision to, um, to, to pick him. But, but I think it's going to be on the borderline. I don't think anyone else. I think, you know, another time, I think Michael Duffy is someone that Kenny would have thought should have been around the squad. Um, probably not doing enough at the moment, really. No. Uh, Gannon would be another one, I think. But again, he's having a, he's having a bad time at the moment. Um, they would have been the ones from the Dundalks side of things. But really, you know, and he loves McElhenney and has always said that McElhenney should be around. I mean, as manager of Dundalk, he, he spoke consistently about how someone like McElhenney should be involved in international squads. McElhenney, again, has, I think, you know, has played, what, 190 minutes in September. So he's not, he's, not in the, he's not in the position to put his hand up at the moment. Maybe if he had played 20, 30 games and was back at his best, he's someone he'd be very well disposed to. But, nah, I, I think... I think they're the, they're the ones. Like it's gonna be interesting to see what's gonna happen at underage level as, as well. Like because there are actually like Danny Grant has been excellent for for Bowes. Um, Sobo Ali for Watford is looking like a hell of a player as well too. His brother plays underage for for Ireland. So is Grant under twenty uh, one? Grant, yeah, he's been involved in the twenty ones last year. Mm. Yeah, he has been involved in twenty ones. Although he might be pushing towards the older end of it, mm. but he has been involved around twenty one squads. And you know, I don't think there's going to be the the promotion to the senior squad that people expect. Um, from 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 Kenny, I think Malumbi might step up. You know, Ida might be in the shake-up, but that would probably be it. So as a result, like the you know the the twenty ones. Uh, That's more the League of Ireland off. fans' outlet in that you know you the underage players. teams. Yeah, yeah. the underage teams, and and like their game, they're meant to play a friendly against Slovenia, obviously, and I think that's very much up in the air. But they have big games in October and November, and I think there's every chance of of strong league representation around there. But I think it might be hard pressed senior boys right now. Just on a on a on an on an off topic, was that the game with Nathan Murphy the other night? And we were like, has Connor Kane been involved in the Irish from twenty ones? I know he's playing for Drogheda, but how this lad is playing first division, Dan? I think we've said it for a while. And said it again and again. Yeah, he's obviously yeah, yeah he's where he is. He's, and James Brown, um, obviously, we just I was singing for most of the second half. James Brown, the other uh, fullback, was excellent. He was good. There's a lot of quality in the first division. It was kind of it was sad, obviously, to see the the stuff about crowds that came out from the government afterwards because you know they're only a smattering of people at the game, but they enjoyed a good game. They enjoyed some good players, and I hope to see Galway United back at some sort of decent level in the near future. But I think it's I should lastly say. Uh, enjoy your week off because this is uh, the weather is absolutely crap. You can't really go anywhere. Dundalk were rubbish tonight. Um, so it's fucking like, yeah. I'm just. Uh, I mean, it's not not great, really, is it? And then no. I'm going to Belfast, I think, for a couple of days. Uh, I'll still probably watch a game or two. I'm sure in some shape in some format through the watch LOI. But uh, waiting for a storm to come now. I mean, this is this is we, we we've tried to provide like an occasional light relief good news service you know for people but uh i'm not sure if we're really succeeding tonight tonight yeah, like listen, death a lot of people are probably enjoying the docks uh well there is an element of that they've, you been, they've been they've been rubbing trophy wins and people yeah for years so I, don't, I completely understand that mentality uh yeah but i'm looking at it actually very much from purely from you know the broader uh bashing of the league which can occur and that's my perspective on these games and why they matter and uh yeah that that's where that's where the frustration is but you can't you can't tell people how to feel uh, mm-hmm. and to fake how they feel and you know they people 
you know, want their club to succeed and they don't want other clubs to steal their players as they have, you know, when they have European money, et cetera, et cetera. So like that's... The, the socialist sort of left-wing Marxist angle in the league will be cheering on Bowes with uh, Gusto, obviously, next week. The likes of Dundalk, they've had an awful lot of money. They've had a lot of success and... We don't want one team dominating the league, but I think we can safely say that that reign of dominance is completely over and who knows where we go from here. Um, I think that's about it, Dan. Yeah, well, well I mean, they they still have the money there to bounce back, but mm. but yeah, it's it's obviously not winning one league is one thing, but uh, if it becomes a back-to-back thing, there's a great opportunity for Rovers to press on now if they can capitalise on it, and I think they'll they'll know that too. Thanks very much uh, for listening and uh, check out lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. We'll talk to you next week when Galway United may or may not have a new manager and may or may not have their first win of the season. Thanks for listening. But there are limits to your life.